0: I got
1: to stand. How about them cowboys? Yeah! How about them cowboys, indeed.
0: Well, according to our friends over at VesselFinder.com, Jerry's luxury yacht, the uh, Bravo Eugenia, is currently on the east coast of the small island of Metlakatla in Alaska. And I guess Moby Dick was not there this time to clear his head, as long-rumored future cowboy Jamal Adams, aka The Earl Thomas situation 2.0 No, not that Earl Thomas situation Jamal Adams Not a Dallas Cowboy Headed to Seattle though And boy are we going to break it down here for you today So welcome on in to About Them Cowboys I'm Kent Garrison Batting first and producing my way through this one With three of the most dangerous in the game When it comes to covering all things Dallas Cowboys But hey, sports are back MLB's back, NBA's back Make sure you're catching all of our written coverage, our podcast coverage over at The Athletic by signing up for 40% off at athletic.com slash AboutThemCowboys. Don't delay. Sign up today. It's Athletic.com slash AboutThemCowboys. But now let's welcome in our panel, batting second. He's fresh off his tryout for the Seattle Kraken. Wow, that's convenient since we're talking a little Seattle today. He also played high school football against Jamal Adams. Wow. Can't wait to hear about that as well. It's Saad Yusuf. Hey, Saad. Welcome back.
2: It's good to be back, and that's a, that's a high billing. You know, I think Seattle, right now, their roster is at zero, so, I mean, what do they really have to lose, right? Yeah, you've got just as good a shot as anybody,
0: you know. Awesome. I'm excited to have you back and excited for you to be a Kraken. Batting third. He's the Cecil Fielder of the podcast because – well, he's kind of the first Detroit Tigers
1: player that I thought of. It's Father John Machete, Machota. Hey, John. That's hilarious. I was just talking about him the other day with some friends. Uh I'm surprised though that you you said him over like Miguel Cabrera, or Justin Verlander, but Cecil Fielder, big big fan of him. Uh you know, uh you know what you know what Cecil Fielder was? He was a little bit like Barry Sanders when I was growing up. They weren't on very good teams, but if you went to one of their games, there's a good chance you're gonna see at least one highlight run from Barry Sanders, and there was a good mm. chance that Cecil might might park one on on the roof at Tiger Stadium. So yep. I like that. Cecil Fielder. That's that's good. I I wasn't expecting that from you.
0: Big, big fan of his growing up. <laughs> there were some glory days of baseball in the nineties, and he was I certainly collected numerous Cecil cards. Not as big a fan of Prince Fielder, though.
1: Uh, you're not, or or if he, not. Cecil wasn't. I'm not. I I love oh, okay. I love I Cecil
0: Fielder. Was never really a Prince Fielder guy. But yeah, um, there was
1: definitely some animosity there. Where I don't think Cecil was allowed to go to some of his games there for a while. Oh, really? I yeah. Did they not. didn't. I don't, I
0: don't know their situation, but yeah, yeah,
1: they didn't get along there for a while. A friend of mine played uh, uh, baseball with uh, Prince in, in high school um, because obviously he was in in Detroit. You know, mm-hmm. when I was growing up. But uh, no, yeah, they had a falling out. I think it was uh, financially. Uh, Connected there. I don't know if I don't know if they're even on great terms to this day. Interesting.
0: Oh, learn something from new new from you every day, Father John. (laughs) Thank you so much. Well, batting cleanup. He's the Buster Olney of the podcast because he's from Olney, Texas. It's Kevin KT Turner. Hey KT, welcome in. Hey, thank you. And excited to hear what you guys have to say about all this stuff in Cowboys Land.
3: Uh, Thank you very much, Ken. I appreciate it, and and, uh, thank you for the shout out to my. Hometown of like 3,000 people. Hope everyone's doing well back there. Um, So, yeah, let's start with the the big news. Uh, I guess we can all stop uh, Jamal Adams' watch. That's over. Uh, Jamal Adams traded to the Seahawks for, really, we'll just take the uh, two first-round picks. There is, I believe, a third or a fourth-rounder going back uh, to the Jets, along with Bradley McDougall. So uh, for two first rounders, basically the cost of doing business, as we've kind of known all along, uh, the Seahawks get their guy. The Seahawks, a team who finished 29th in the league and, uh, you know, yards per play down the field. That's that's, uh, you know, should help the defense a little bit, although they will be losing uh, Jadavion Clowney. So an NFC team makes a big move, Uh, does cost them their 2021 and 2022 first. John, let's start with your uh, observations on the trade. And would you have done it for that price?
1: Yeah, I got a lot of thoughts on this. No, I would not have done it for that price. And I I don't think there's any way possible the Cowboys would have. Uh, They were never going to give two ones for him. Uh, And if they did, it would just be, it would have been one of the biggest stories, Cowboys stories in a while, because how do you go a decade where you value safety more than a decade, as little as they have, and then all of a sudden they're investing two first round picks in it? Um, Yeah, I, I, that doesn't make any sense for me. The other thing I wanted to say about Jamal Adams is the way he's gone about this. Like, I don't know that that's necessarily the guy that you want on your team because so who's to say that in another year or two, like things aren't going well. And then this guy's going to take a blowtorch to the locker room. Like, and, and this is again, why like sports are so, It's so fluid because I can see both sides of it because then the flip side is is like if you watch that and you're a player and you're like, I'm going to do exactly what Jamal Adams did because it got him exactly what I want. And that's out of that current situation in a way better situation, obviously, being in Seattle. So it's hard to fault him at the same time because he got a great deal. He got to leave the Jets and he got to go to Seattle. And so he goes from being in a place he didn't want to be to be in a place now where he's with a Super Bowl contender and he's going to be one of the faces of that defense. So um it is interesting. I'm not against giving up two first round picks for a player. If you think that that's the right guy, believe me. If it, whether it's Jalen Ramsey or uh, you know Khalil Mack, something like that, or even if you if you do value Jamal Adams to that level, I have no problem giving up the two ones. I'm just saying there was no way the Cowboys were going to do that. So it almost in a way kind of makes this kind of an easy story. When you cover the Cowboys, because you're just like, there's no looking back at it. Jamal Adams can have a, you know, All Pro year and, and be the best safety in the league, and you, and and there's still you're not going to look back and be like, man, the Cowboys almost had him. No, they didn't. There's no almost to it at all. They weren't going to come higher than a one and a three last year at the trade deadline. I don't see them coming any higher than that this time around, and certainly not two ones.
3: Saad, your thoughts?
2: Yeah. I mean, honestly, I mean, this is quarterback compensation for, for a safety. So, you know, I don't, I, like, like John said, I don't think there's any chance the Cowboys were going to do it, but also, you know, they gave up two ones and a three and they also still have to make him the highest paid safety in NFL history. That's, that's, that's a part that like, you know, sometimes people forget. It's not just what they've given up, but it's also what they still have to give him. And, you know, like John said, I'm not completely against it. If you feel like this is your guy, um, Russell Wilson, by the time this season ends, by the time the regular season ends, Russell Wilson's gonna be 32 years old. If you have a window and if you feel this is the guy that can put you over the top, you gotta go do it. I mean, look, it wasn't the compensation and stuff wasn't like this, but remember the Cowboys back in the day when they went and got Deion, Deion Sanders. If you feel like one player can put you over the top, you go make a move and go try to get him. So I'm not against the Seahawks um, going to get him. I just think it's to be determined if they're going to win in this whole transaction. But I think the Jets have already won in this trade because because they certainly got a lot for them.
1: Let me say, too, that it, it also it'll help this trade in the long run. I feel pretty strongly that it was the Jets because uh, if it would have been two ones going to like somebody like the Patriots or another organization where you're like, oh, I can see them turning this into like two solid starters or maybe a Pro Bowl or something like that, like. The chances that the Jets turn this into something that the Seahawks are going to look back at and be like, wow, I'd rather have that than Jamal Adams. I don't think there's a good chance that that happened. I think the Seahawks are just fine with, with this deal. and what And well, the key to this really is, is Russell Wilson continues to play at the level he's played at, and he stays healthy. Because if you have just an awful year, let's say Russell Wilson gets hurt, he's not able to play, you only win three or four games, something like that, and then you have this top 10 pick. Then, then it looks kind of questionable, but I don't, I don't anticipate that happening. I think Seattle's one of the best organizations in the NFL. I don't think either of these first-round picks are going to be inside the top twenty. So, I like the deal for Seattle.
3: Yeah, the Seahawks obviously think they're going to be good. That's a late first-round pick. They're planning on being good, and and you know, not not every team can say that. Lord knows. So, like if Seattle's like, we're, we're going to be picking in the late twenties or mid twenties. Or wherever, yeah. We, we can give up that pick. They usually trade out of that anyways and trade it to the second round. They do that a lot. Um, so I think it's like, I, I think it makes sense to go for it. The thing that I want to throw out there, and this may be unfair of me, but whatever. You know, you see a team like Seattle going, yeah, we've got our guy. There's our quarterback who we've paid many times, and I'm not at all comparing Russell Wilson and Dak Prescott. What do the Cowboys think about their team? The Cowboys think they're legit contenders or no? I think if you do, I think you probably try to follow, you probably end up getting a deal done with your quarterback and and things like that. I wonder what what the Cowboys as a whole and we know it's like not everyone has equal say in that organization. What did the, the the front office? What do those people think about their team and their chances to go win a Super Bowl next year and the year after that and the year after that?
1: Well, I I kind of think if they didn't feel like they were contenders right now that they wouldn't give Dak the franchise tag. Why wouldn't you just give him the transition tag and then go pick up some picks from somebody that does want to sign him or, or match yeah. match an offer with uh if you were in some type of a rebuild because of, you know, a new head coach or something. But I think um for me, it'll always come back to you don't hire Mike McCarthy if this is a complete rebuild. I think you hire Mike McCarthy because you think this team can win right now. So because of that, I I don't I feel like if the price was a little bit lower they would have been in on Jamal Adams too but it got to a it got to a point there where I, even if they got a call they were never going to consider that but I don't think that changes that are they all in or not um I would I would look more at pass rusher than I would at adding a safety on 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 if it was going to be the let's make a move for one player away I think that that one player away would be J and Clowney more than it would be Jamal Adams.
2: Yeah and also I think uh, another thing here is that Um, you know, it's not so much that they don't feel like they're contenders immediately. It's more about how long the window is, because I think Dak in in a, in a couple of days here is about to turn 27 or 28. I, I think it's 27 and Russell Wilson's about to turn 32. That's a full five years. That's an entire length of your, of your first round draft pick that you just gave up two first round picks for. That's an entire contract for uh for two first round picks on cheap deals. So it's not so much that they don't believe they can win right now. I think the Cowboys just believe that, you know, we'll see what happens with Dak as far as his long-term future in Dallas, but I think they just believe their window is much longer, extends further than the Seahawks window does. And and can the
1: Cowboys afford to be giving up first round picks if they no. don't know for sure? what their future is with Dak Prescott because you might need those first round picks to package them together and move up in a first round to go get your next quarterback. If you aren't able to sign him long term, I mean, they have to seriously, if, if they don't think that, that they're going to get this deal done and they're just going to go on another franchise tag next year too. Well, you just can't all of a sudden be like, and then we just fall off the cliff after, after that and we just completely rebuild. You have to have in your mind that maybe we need to start finding his successor right now. And maybe next year's first round pick, is is spent on a quarterback I'm, and I don't anticipate it being top 10 but maybe it is a guy that's in the in you know the later part of the first round or something so I, I don't think the Cowboys are a team that really can be parting with first round picks right now now if they would have got a deal done with Dak then I think it's a little bit different and that's what helps with the Seattle with Russell Wilson because they have their quarterback but because they haven't you know finalized and gotten a long-term deal signed with Dak Prescott I don't think they're in a position to be trading first round picks right now.
3: Yeah, I agree, hundred percent, a hundred percent. Also, in some uh, in some news, just just some quick uh, around the league news and notes. Uh, according to my source, Saad Youssef, Jalen Smith just checked in at number eighty-eight in the NFL Network top one hundred list. Now, this is the list where the players uh, get this form to fill out in the locker room, and they uh, they write down their top players in the league. And then I don't know how much I don't know how much is weighed in on uh, like coaches and things weighing. I, no offense to Jalen. Jalen's probably not a top 100 player in the league last year. Maybe he was two years ago. You can make that argument. But not last year. Uh, I always think it's funny when people get worked up over the NFL top 100 list, though. It makes me wonder how many... like, Because
1: I've seen some of the guys filling these out in the Cowboys locker room. and It's not like, okay, nobody puts down 100 names. They put down like, no. their, like 10, 15. I've seen some guys put down maybe 20, 25. And so it could definitely come to a situation here where guys name recognition helps a lot. And most guys in the league know who Jalen Smith is. So that obviously helps this case. Um, you know, Tyron Smith's another one. He's always on these lists and he's had some, you know, years where he wasn't as dominant as he was in other years. And so the name recognition helps on these things a lot, no question. Um, but I've never seen a guy fill one of those out and put down a hundred names. It's usually something that's done in between uh, after the morning practice. And then they have somebody like passing those out and, and uh, trying to get guys to fill them out in the locker room before they get something to eat and go to a meeting. So, like, I mean, 25 names tops on those lists the guys are putting down. And those top 25 names are, are generally guys that they went to college with or, you know, guys on their own team and guys that have the, the really big-time name recognition. I mean, NFL players, how many how many of the other guys are they really watching that aren't in their division all the time? And
3: They're all playing many, at the same time. Yeah, I, <laughs>
1: It, it's an interesting thing. I uh, I, I think the Cowboys would be very happy if this season Jalen Smith plays like the 88th best player in the NFL. I think they will be. they will, I think that defense will be doing just fine if that happens.
2: Yeah, I was going to say that as well. They hope that they, that he's the 88th best player, but I mean, okay. going going based off of you know his what he's coming off of, which is actually kind of funny because he is coming off of a quote unquote Pro Bowl year. So, uh, you know, I guess I guess that checks out. But I, like, like John said, there's not a lot of I, I start taking it. Uh, I don't take it very seriously at all. But the top 10, I kind of do get a little bit more curious about that because that's where it starts getting a little more real.
1: I certainly wouldn't act like I'm an expert on, on ranking the top 100 players in the NFL. I think I give you a good guesstimate or whatever. But I feel like I have a really good feel for the Cowboys and ranking which guys on their team should even be in that conversation. And I'll, I'll just put it to you this way. I, Hey, if Jalen Smith's on the list, that's fine. Put him on the list. But from watching the Cowboys last year, and these things are based on last season, if Jalen Smith's at 88 and Lyle Collins isn't on that list, that tells you all you need to know about that list. Because, like, Lyle Collins not making the Pro Bowl this past year. Like, Lyle Collins was their, I mean, other than Zach Martin, he was their next best offensive lineman. He played at an elite level. He had his best season. He's kind of, like, gotten forgotten about. I know it's easy to forget about right tackles, but that'll tell me all I need to know about this list if Jalen Smith is 88 and Lyle Collins isn't even on there.
3: Yeah, no, and I, I, another thing I'll say, I don't want to give up the player's name. Um, I'm sure you guys might have similar stories. But uh, I remember when that happens, it, it is so uh, half-butt. Like, it's uh, real quick, here's a list, but we're moving on to a meeting. You're like, you said, get food or just 10 minutes to look at my phone or whatever, you know. But I remember in the locker room, a player was looking at it, and he, was kinda, he had kind of gathered some media around, and he's talking, of filling out the list, and he goes, and this is when Khalil Mack had already been traded to Chicago. And he goes, oh Khalil Mack, yeah, number one, he's cold in Oakland. And I was like, well, he doesn't, he doesn't play for the Raiders anymore. Oh yeah, oh yeah, he's always with the Bears now. I was <laughs> like, these players, oh, like, there's a lot right. going on. These players are thinking about a million things. Oh, let me just let me add this in the real the quick list. too.
1: I know some people think that they're just handing these things to like backup players and stuff like that I've definitely seen star players in the Cowboys filling these things out so it's not like it's yes. uh just backups and like hey LP was in the locker room today or Chris Jones was here or we talked to you know Joe Jackson or John van Johnson like no I've watched star players in that team fill it out again not 100 names but I've seen them put down 10 15 20 names
3: they usually put down about 10 to 20 yeah like you said um, so there's that. I thought that was uh, just fun, fun thing. And obviously, the world always gets worked up over those rankings. I'm like, hey, everyone, relax. Don't get worked up over that. Uh, real quick, we're not going to spend a lot of time uh, on COVID stuff. I know everyone's tired of it, but I think this is important. So, we'll spend a couple minutes on this. Uh, last week or over the week, the NFL and the NFL, uh, the owners and the NFLPA finally come to an agreement on at least testing protocols. Uh, in fact, the owners were, were uh, unanimous, and the player reps were 29-3. to 3. So, uh, for the most part, everyone all kind of going in the same same path. Um, and a couple of the things they're talking about is how camp will work. Obviously, camp, as weird as it sounds, technically would start on the 28th. That is Tuesday. So, if you're listening to this on Monday, that is tomorrow. If you're listening to this on Tuesday, that's today. Um The day one uh, protocol, they will uh, take a COVID test and screening for the virus, then they'll go home. Days two and three, the virtual meetings, and they're being encouraged to self-isolate at home. Day four, they take a second COVID test and then go home. Day five and six, players who have two negative tests can enter the facility and then start taking physicals and start getting fit for pads and things like that. And then day seven, they can, you know, begin... Strength and conditioning. So, I guess uh, you know, John and Sid, you guys are in the in the locker room uh, quite a bit more than I am. I would say, uh, technically, it's it's gonna be weird for you guys. Camp technically starts on Tuesday, but it really doesn't start in terms of you guys being there and covering it. It's uh, it's kind of got to be a weird start to, to Cowboys camp for you.
1: Yeah, I don't think that we're gonna be there for another couple of weeks. So I don't know what's gonna really come out of those things. I mean, we'll get some conference calls and things like that, but um the <laughs> the information that we're going to be getting out uh, on the team will be much less from all reporters than it's been in any other year. There's just going to be uh, the least amount of access we've ever seen. So it's going to be interesting going forward. I don't see myself being in the locker room anytime within the next year. That's for sure. I don't think they're going to let anybody in there and just gauging on what I've been hearing from reporters that cover other teams that I know uh, it doesn't seem like uh, we're going to be getting anywhere near getting one-on-one interviews and talking to players uh, anytime soon. So, uh, it'll be, it'll be interesting. It's going to be, you know, it's going to be a weird time. And then depending on what group you're in at those practices, you're going to have to get tested too and pass at least two tests. Um, so yeah, it's, it's going to be wild. I mean, this right now where we're at, I mean, we would be in Oxnard, California right now, if this was a normal off season, you know, we would be covering training camp practices. Guys would be actually putting the pads on. Like these guys aren't putting the pads on anytime soon. They're doing COVID tests. They're doing, uh, you know, Zoom type meetings, uh, you know, uh, they're they're just not going to it's not going to be like it normally is. And so and then there's no preseason. So there's more time for them to do this type of stuff. So uh, when we get closer to the season, I think what's going to end up happening is just when the season does start, if it starts on time, you're just going to see some sloppy football. And I think you're going to see some, you know, soft tissue injuries, because I just don't think guys are going to be fully up to speed like they normally would at that time of year.
2: Yeah, especially like, you know, in perspective with. Some of the other sports that I've been covering, especially in the last couple of weeks, and and when you kind of see that just in sports ramping up, it's uh it's definitely weird. It's different because it's a lot of Zoom calls. There's not a lot of uh the stuff that John is as John knows very well. Like you know we we walk around the locker room, get little tidbits here and there from players. Not a lot of that. You're just kind of you know you have to take what what's given to you on the Zoom call, but also. The injuries is a good point. I mean, if you just look at today, which is Sunday, um, you know, Justin Verlander, whether he's out for the season or not, regardless, he has, a, he has an injury. Corey Kluber, we just saw with the Rangers, you know, all, th- this is the kind of stuff that you're kind of scared about when it comes to the NFL as well. The soft tissue injuries, the just injuries in general, how this is all going to play out because we're seeing this happen uh, in other sports that have already started.
3: Yeah, no, and also the Cowboys, I guess the news is John Vay Johnson who, you know, a lot of people may have forgotten that he's on the team, but he was a late draft, a late draft pick out of Toledo. Um, uh, in fact, last year was his rookie year. It seems like it's forever ago. Uh, but he's kind of already on their on their COVID list. So he's got it. Um so, I mean, look, it's... You know, like I don't know,
1: though. I don't know if that's for sure, though, that he has it. Oh, that I he's think, tested
3: positive? Okay, that's probably not out there. Yeah, yeah,
1: it could be that he was just around somebody that might have tested positive. Okay. Um, but I don't know for sure. Uh, that's one of these tricky things, too, when it comes to, like, talking about this and writing about this stuff. Like, you know, it, it obviously, if a guy isn't around the team for a while, you're going to kind of be like, hey, he's probably got COVID-19 or tested positive or whatever, but you still don't know for sure. And so it kind of you leave it up to the team, but I know he's on that list, but I don't know if that necessarily means that he for sure himself yeah. has, has tested positive.
3: Yeah, it's either that he either tested positive or was close in close contact with someone, just like you yeah. said. Yeah. Um. Sorry, I spoke out of turn there, like an idiot. Um. I don't know if you saw what's going on with the the Miami Marlins too, where they had a couple of positive tests pop up. Very interested to see how that plays tomorrow. They ended up playing today. So you have the Phillies playing the Marlins and the Phillies are at an enhanced risk. Um, And we'll see if the Marlins, I believe the Marlins play again tomorrow. So we'll see if they uh, continue to play or what they had multiple players. Test positive. So, uh, you know, but baseball, I'm separating basketball and hockey from baseball and football because baseball and football is still allowing you to kind of travel home, you know, and and go, and you know, Lord knows what will happen. And, even in the bubble, the bubble's not always the bubble. As you know, the story of Magic City Wings and Lou Williams is kind of taking over the NBA. Uh, <laughs> he got to Atlanta somehow. And the, everyone says those wings are uh, fantastic. So uh, that's a challenge to you but guys I mean, next time you go and, to Atlanta. And that is, even, even though that is,
1: you know, the NBA and it's not the NFL, but that does show you, though, like even in a bubble situation like that, you just use that as an example and then carry that over to football or baseball. And, like, it's going to be hard to keep these guys – you know kind of just going to the practice facility and then going home and that's all they do like you know i mean these they're young kids they want to have fun and um you know i'm sure there's plenty of guys that feel like they're a little bit invincible too like this isn't going to bother them so uh yeah i don't i I think the whole lou williams thing is is an interesting thing because um you know the nfl obviously has more players and i just find it hard to believe everyone is going to just be you know trying to just do their job and then go home and that's it. I mean, they're going to be in situations where they're around this stuff.
3: Uh, Let's transition into this week's uh, kind of content piece, which is uh, take it uh, it off on an article from Bob Sturm, our good friend Bob at The the Athletic um, and also uh, over at The Ticket. Um, And Bob wrote an article. It's uh, five Cowboys who are heading into a prove-it year in 2020. And we've talked about this a lot. Cowboys have a lot of decisions they're going to have to be make about players. We talked about this leading up to the draft, how, hey, they're going to have to get a cornerback, and they're going to have to get a, you know this position or this position. Uh, so I thought his list was interesting, and uh, let's start with it. Number one, he's got Cheeto Awuzie on there. Cheeto's 25. Um, you know, Cheeto's played a lot of starting snaps in the NFL, and that's one thing that makes you feel good about him is, hey, you feel like he's gotten some good experience and, we just thought last year, I think, would be the year that he takes the big step forward. And it didn't necessarily happen. And I think he's going I think, to, I think the Cowboys will have a more clear evaluation on him this year with Byron Jones gone. I think it'll be a lot easier to find out how you really feel about Cheeto. So uh, a big year for him. I don't even know where to start, though. He, he's he's a very uh, difficult case study because a lot of times you'll see him in good coverage and the play's close, and it's about him not turning his head to the ball and things like that. I really like Cheeto coming out of college, but it is it is uh it's time to do it. Like it's right now. Otherwise, you're probably not gonna make a ton of money, uh, you know, in the free agent market if you if you don't have a really good year here in Dallas.
1: Yeah, on any list like this, Cheeto, Jordan Lewis, you know, same draft class, same position. Uh, they both got to be on here. They're, they're going in their final year of the rookie deal, and they're going to get a lot of playing time. And they deserve they deserve a little bit of a clean slate because it's a new coaching staff. And so maybe some of the tweaks and things like that might be better for them. Maybe it's worse. If it's worse, you just won't see them here a year from now. So um, I think the Cowboys would be pretty happy if they could they know that at least one of those two guys they're going to have going forward and that they can count on. I mean, they'd love for both of them to be a guys that, you know, they can sign to some team friendly deals and have them there and not have to have significant investments and just have solid players there. But there's decisions to be made there with Chadel Biawuzia and Jordan Lewis. And, you know, for most people that, you know, most fans are going to watch it. They're going to be like, well, they need to get some interceptions. That's what it come down to, you know, can these guys get more than just a couple interceptions? Can they get three, four five in a season? like you see other teams have their DBs do. And so if that happens, then they got a good chance of coming back. If they don't, then, you know, a year from now, we could be talking about how their two starting quarters corners are uh, Reggie Robinson II and, and Trayvon Diggs, two guys that they just took in this year's draft.
2: Yeah, and I think the interesting thing is going to be what the leash is like. Not necessarily even how long or what, but th- the fact that you didn't have any summer workouts, any camp or anything. Uh, we heard a lot of chatter, especially around draft time, about how, Cheeto might get switched over to safety and things like that. Well, you know, he hasn't had a whole summer to learn any kind of new position. Does he just get thrown back onto corner? And what if corner doesn't work out? Do they, does he have more of a leash to come back on a cheaper deal and try out to play safety if, if he doesn't get that opportunity this year? So I think the, the way that, you know, this whole COVID thing has, has uh, changed the dynamic of how long or what kind of leash these players are going to have. Jordan Lewis another guy like you know we've seen him make plays but at the same time the Cowboys did just sign their um, uh, a, a basically a depth slot corner in Anthony Brown back so you know and, and it's not just a one-year deal so I think both of them are on the watch but uh, but I think the circumstances will dictate a little bit differently about how how things will go going forward
3: yeah and I think you know we talk about like Jordan Lewis we talk about him and he has another guy on the list so let's just kind of lump these two guys together and Jordan Lewis a guy uh, four interceptions in his time with the Cowboys. Cheeto three interceptions at this time with the Cowboys. But, you know, Jordan Lewis far fewer snaps, so it kind of gives you an idea that you know he can maybe maybe get some turnovers if he got more playing time and things like that. But you start looking at some extended numbers, or he was giving up quite a few yards per reception in a small sample size of playing time. Uh, uh, put you and another name I to throw out there that we kind of don't talk about a lot is Maurice Kennedy as well as a guy they've brought in who's got a little history of playing so like I do like that they've ramped up the competition in the cornerback room uh just kind of putting you guys on the spot uh or, or you guys think out of the gate it's Cheeto Anthony Brown Jordan Lewis as your starters and then and then everyone else kind of fighting for uh for reps if someone slips up is that what you guys yeah. would expect?
1: Yeah, because of COVID-19. I mean, if it was a regular offseason okay. and Trayvon Diggs had a chance to get out there, I think he'd have a good chance. But I think you lean on your veterans and you work in Trayvon Diggs. And, and if Reggie Robinson's ready, you, you work try and work him in as well. I've kind of thought of him as maybe being this kind of being like a redshirt year for him. But with Trayvon Diggs, his size, his ball skills, that seems like exactly what they're looking for. Obviously, this coaching new coaching staff liked him a lot to take him in the second round, some people projected him to be a first-round pick. I find it very hard to believe with what they have in the secondary that he's not going to see the field. I think Trayvon Diggs will be part of it. I just think the way the season starts, you probably go with your veteran guys. And I'm intrigued with Jordan Lewis in, in terms of uh, one of the things he did really well in, in previously is when they brought him on blitzes, getting at the passer. And, and I do see this defense being more multiple and taking some more risks. Maybe you see Jordan Lewis getting an opportunity to make more plays there as well.
2: Yeah, I think so. I, you know, I, I know that, you know, back in Green Bay, it was different with, uh, with well, first of all, it's not like, you know, they had Dom Capers and other guys like that. But also, you saw how Charles Woodson was utilized back then. I know he's a safety, but still, just, you know, from the defensive back position, if someone has that talent, I'll, I'll be curious to see how Mike McCarthy does utilize that. And uh, But but I do think to start the season, you, you have to lean on your veterans, but I don't think it's going to be long b- before at least one of them gets replaced. Even if they, even if they're not struggling too bad, I just think that the talent with Reggie Robertson and Tr- Trayvon Diggs is going to win out uh, eventually at some point.
3: Yeah, I think you make a good point too, thought about like the the defensive scheme there. Is I could see a little more uh, picking and choosing matchups, and we saw it occasionally, you know, with Byron matching up against a tight end. But for the most part, it was like, hey, our guys are going to play their sides, and we're going to do the defense the way we do it. I like think you'll see a little more matchup-oriented type style. And I do think it's funny we talk about Cheeto. It feels like ever since he's been brought in the league, you'd hear Stephen Jones mention, "Well, of course Cheeto can play safety, but well, we've never seen it." And it's not like I mean, Cheeto has been the number two corner for a couple of years now, so it's not like you know, hey, we're just moving this guy to safety to try it or anything. And you've had enough safeties where you haven't had to had to push it there. But like, if they felt good about that, it feels like that's something that maybe that they would have taken a look at instead of okay, we're bringing in Haha ha Clinton Dix. And we're, uh, you know, th- th- I just, it, it seems like that's just something that's been talked about for all these years and just never happened. And maybe part of that's learning your lessons with Byron. Maybe stop moving guys around. But also maybe it's, uh, maybe, maybe it was opportunity-based. But uh, I don't know, I just thought that's always strange for really since he's been in the league. It's like, and of course Cheeto can play safety. It's like, well, he can, but you're leaving him at corner. And I, I, honestly, I don't think Cheeto's had a bad year yet that he's since he's been in the league. I just think we're, you got to ramp it up if you want to keep your starting job here, and especially when you lose a true number one type of corner in Byron Jones or a true, uh, you know, one and a half type, one point five type corner like Byron Jones. Uh, obviously, we talk about Byron's turnovers a lot. Let's move on to uh, Connor Williams. Now, Connor Williams is not up for contract, but it is year three. It does feel like a little more competition uh, than usual, even with the Travis Frederick retirement, uh, with Connor McGovern, if he's healthy. Um, It feels like there could be a little bit of competition there. It does seem like it is a big year for Connor Williams to really solidify himself on this offensive line.
1: It is. It's a huge year for him, and... uh, um... I mean, it's a huge year for Connor McGovern, too, though, because he has to try and show that he can stay healthy after missing his entire rookie year with that pec injury. So uh, I think there's going to be a good competition there if both of them are healthy. But, yeah, for sure, Connor Williams, they used a second-round pick on him. You know, he gets put in that offensive line the last couple of years, you know, being around guys like Travis Frederick and Tyron Smith and Zach Martin. You're three. It's time to show up. They need you now. I mean, there's no more, you know, growing pains and things like that. No, you need to be an established veteran player now. I mean, it's a a young man's game. They need him to go. Uh, So it'll be interesting to see where he works in there. And then if, you know, if, if this new coaching staff, you know, with Joe Philbin, if he's not working out there, do they consider making him, more of a swing tackle and just because that's what he played in college at, you know playing left tackle and stuff like that I don't know that that's what they want to do necessarily right now especially not having an off season. but you think about those possibilities cuz again he's a second round pick but no that's that's a huge that's a huge spot there whether it's Connor McGovern or it's Connor Williams one of those guys has to step in there and be a solid starter for them it, it can't be it, it, you know, without having Travis Frederick there, you are going to have some drop off at center. You can't have any drop off at that position, and it, it, this has to be the best at left guard that they've had play wise since Ron Leary. They just they have to play at that level, or or they're going to have to look in another direction.
2: Yeah, and I think part of the pressure also just comes with the identity of this team. It's not like you know this team is built around the offensive line, and so if you if you don't have strong play there, then you're kind of losing your identity a little bit. So I think that has a little bit to do with it, but because you know, uh, the fact that Connor Williams is already in this position, which he absolutely is, um, says a lot because he's only, he's going into his third year, but he's only 23 years old. So this guy is really young. It's not like, you know, he's uh, he, he's kind of, he hasn't panned out or he's a definite bust or anything like that, but he's young and he's still learning. And remember, he had to go through a lot of body changes as far as his muscle mass and things like that. So um, still a lot of adjustments to be made, but um, there's also less flexibility now because if because Lyle Collins, a lot of thing, a lot of times we thought in the past that Lyle Collins was going to be the guy that was automatically going to walk and, and and walk in free agency. The fact that they locked him up and Zach Martin is locked up over there, and then Tyron Smith is on the other side. I mean, Connor Williams, it's it you know you got to really pan out there. You can't switch back out to tackle because you're not replacing Lyle Collins or Connor Willi- or uh, Tyron Smith. So you have to pan out where you are. So I think a lot of pressure is on him and the fact that Connor McGovern was drafted uh, as competition.
3: You know, another name on uh, Bob's list of the five players who must prove it in 2020 is Blake Jarwin. And I saw that and I was like, huh? Because Blake got, you know, Blake got a four year, $22 million contract. When you dive into the structure of his contract, though, aside from the signing bonus, it's really 2020. He's got 225 of guaranteed money, and after that, no guaranteed money moving forward. So there is a bit of a a situation where Blake Jarwin does need to step up. You look at his numbers the last uh, couple years. He had uh, 31 catches last year, 27 catches the year before that. Obviously not getting a lot of snaps with Jason Witten being there. Now that Jason Witten's gone, I'm not sure with the addition of CeeDee Lamb that he does turn into the 60-catch guy that Witten had kind of become in his last – you know, five to eight years or so. But I do feel like that's a pretty reasonable number to hope for. Uh, 45, 50, 55 catches. What do you guys expect out of Blake Jarwin? And, and, you know, do you think you can hold on to the job or is he going to be good enough a blocker to hold on to that job?
1: Depending on the health of those key receivers, like you mentioned, CeeDee Lamb and then Michael Gallup and Amari Cooper. And then obviously they are going to try and get, you know, Tony Pollard involved and Zeke in the passing game as well. If all those guys are healthy all season, obviously a good problem to have. I think Blake Jarwin is a guy that he won't be as consistent as Jason Witten where it's like almost every game you know he's going to have at least this many targets and this many catches. I think there could be some games where he's not targeted a lot and there could be other games that were like that Giants game at the end of the year a couple years ago when he was NFC Player of the Week and just blew up. you know. Um, So I think it could be a little bit boom or bust. That's if everyone's healthy. If they start losing some guys, some injuries and things like that, then I think he has to become a bigger part of the offense. The blocking is obviously his weakness, but I don't think that they not only give him a new contract, and I know it's not huge money, but I don't think they do that, and then I don't think that they really – they didn't address the tight end position outside of him. So, I mean, they bring in Blake Bell. Like, there was no significant upgrade there. If they didn't think he could handle the job, I think they'd make a little bit more of a significant investment there, and obviously he has – uh, you know, the familiarity, you know, working with Doug Nussmeier for a year, Kellen Moore and things like that. So they must have seen enough that they thought he could handle this. And so if he can't, though, then that becomes a big position of need going into the offseason. But I think he's going to be I think he's going to be fine. I just think that uh, don't expect the exact same type of production we saw from Jason Witten during the previous three years that he was with the team, because I just think there's going to be some games where he just doesn't have a major impact. Maybe he only gets targeted once or twice.
2: Yeah, I'm actually going to make the bold decision and and uh, push back on Bob's Bob's decision here because I, I don't really think that Blake Jarwin is in a put up or shut up year. I think I think this at least has to go on for a couple of years because uh, for a lot of the reasons John just said. I mean, automatically in the passing game, which is where Blake Jarwin's strength is. KT, you referred to his, he needs to improve his blocking. His pass catching is what is what, what his trademark is. And he's already fourth in the pecking order. Just just running out of the tunnel, he's fourth in the pecking order. So I think he doesn't get a lot of opportunity regularly. And I think he's going to have a lot longer leash. I think if he doesn't have a great year this year, um, and, and I don't mean that they're contractually obligated, because as you said and as Bob outlined as well, um, they, they can basically get out of it after this year. I just think that the the way that the Cowboys feel about him um, they're just going to they're they're going to be a lot more patient with him. I don't think if he has a bad 2020, they'll go out looking for a tight end. Because also if he does if he doesn't have a great 2020, and you know tight end, where will tight end fall on the list of priorities next off Anyways, you still yeah. you still have barely addressed anything on defense. You have a lot of work to do there. Dak is once again going to be a top priority next off season. Uh, so I think there's just a lot of other things, and if you factor in a lot of the guys that we, uh, the other guy that we talked about just now, Connor Williams, and depending on how Connor McGovern pans out, I just think there's going to be a lot of other decisions that need to be made. I don't think this is going to be a year that that if Blake Jarwin doesn't put up or shut up, he you know he he's on the clock. I just think that he uh, you know he has a couple of years to prove himself.
1: Somebody I wanted to add on the list. I know he doesn't have my ear. The guy I would have had over. Um, Blake Jarwin. And again, not a guy going in the final year years country. He's got two years left, but for me, it's Dorrance Armstrong. And the reason I say this is because there has not been very much draft wise invested in pass rusher on this team that, I mean, you look back on, on these previous drafts and you go, okay, so last year, I mean, this past draft, Bradley and I, that's their biggest pass rush draft. I mean, that's not anything that's going to keep you from drafting a pass rusher. The year before that, joe jackson in the fifth round and then the year before that's Dorrance armstrong in the fourth because when you go before that then it's taco charlton who's clearly not on the team anymore the year before that charles tapper was the highest pass rusher drafted in the fourth round The year before that, Randy Gregory in the second round. You don't know if you're going to get anything from there either. So basically, you're going all the way back to 2014, Demarcus Lawrence in the second round, as the last time that you've got a significant investment from a, a pass rusher. If I'm predicting right now what they spend their first round pick on next year, it's a pass rusher because they haven't done anything really to fill that other spot opposite of Demarcus Lawrence. So because of that, um, you can even you could even throw in Tyron Crawford because he's going in the final year of his deal too. Not that I think that he would stop them from drafting somebody, but pass rusher is somewhere I'm really looking at. Where there's got to be somebody, whether it's Lawrence, whether it's Joe Jackson. If one of these guys doesn't step up, I don't know where they're going to get more snaps going forward because I think they address that position pretty high in next year's draft.
3: No, no, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I, I, to me, and who knows what the interest level is. I have I would love to, and who knows what kind of shape they're in as well. I would just love to see this team get real serious about bringing in Clowney or Everson Griffin, and at least trying to take a physical, or at least trying to see if we could negotiate something on a short. It could be a short-term thing, but I would love to see that because I think your whole outlook of the defensive line goes from, oh, we're gonna have a rotational piece on the other side of Demarcus Lawrence to we have legitimate Pro Bowl caliber players to line up on the outside with Poe with Gerald McCoy on the inside. Like, I just think it changes the whole dynamic of your defensive line. I mean, we talked about Robert Quinn last year, and Robert Quinn, Lord knows he went and earned a big contract in Chicago. Where are the Cowboys last year without him? I mean, he made so many game-changing plays that, quite frankly, they're probably not a 500 team without him last year. Um, So I would love for them to get serious about Clowney or Griffin. It's just, you know, I get it. It's late July. Right now it's hard to know. Um, how serious uh, they've been in, in discussions with those players. But if there's well, anyone... not even
1: hear anything from any team about J and Clowney makes me think he's still asking for the moon. And, yeah. and And that might be a good play on his part because it could be one of those things where he's like, I'm a veteran. I know what I need to do. I'm still a freak. I'm not getting hurt in some training camp. Let these guys go through this training camp thing. I'm going to stay safe sitting at home. And then when a team needs a pass rusher, like, cause obviously as you saw with the Jamal Adams deal, there are teams out there that think they're one play away. It's not like someone, there's not going to be a team. That's not going to be like, all right, come play for us. We'll give you this. Even if it is just for one year. Like I I think he, I think he's still got a lot of cards to play on his side, but it is, is interesting to me that we haven't heard anything about him really with any team when every team wants pass rush.
3: You know, his injury was such a weird, you know, injury, a core injury and, I just remember him just toughing through a hernia in, uh, injury throughout the end of the last season and into the playoffs, just kind of fighting through it. So I, I I'm a big Clowney fan. I'm a, I'm a fan of the, the, uh, uh, you know what he can do to your defensive line. But you can kind of put him inside if you need to. You can play him outside. You can do a lot of things with him. Everson Griffin obviously would fit well as a right defensive end. I think he would be a lot of fun, but. Um, and then, I mean, I think it, you do mention Tyrone Crawford, who kind of is the forgotten name. Uh, so he'll be in the mix as well. So, but I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, I want to hit the last guy on Bob's list. I going to throw one more name at you guys. Xavier Woods is the last guy on Bob's list. Um, you know, for Xavier Woods, I, I don't think he's had a bad year. Um, I'm not sure what the expectations are. You know, when you, when you uh, dangle Earl Thomas's name out there like a carrot and now Jamal Adams' name out there like a carrot for all these years, it's going to make people, I guess, expect more from your bottom line. And I, I don't know if I'm necessarily expecting that out of Xavier Woods. I mean, he was taken in the sixth round. Now, I had a third-round grade on him at the time, but he was taken in the sixth round. I, 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 you're not paying him anything. To me, Xavier Woods has been fine. Is he a game changer? Absolutely not. And if that's what it's going to take to be a prove-it deal and get a big contract, then this is the year to do it. But, yeah, I don't think anyone could be unhappy about what they've invested into Xavier Woods and what he's given the team, right?
1: I think he'd be number one on my list if I was doing this same top five. Um, and the reason I say it is just because, yeah, he wasn't... An- a significant investment, but they've made no other significant investments to take his job away from him either. So he's had so many opportunities and this will be another huge opportunity. They didn't draft anybody. Like when you talk about Cheeto and you talk about Jordan Lewis, you know, they literally just got done drafting Trayvon Diggs. They just got done drafting Reggie Robinson. They didn't draft any other safeties. They signed ha ha Clinton Dix to a very cheap one year deal. Like they didn't really bring in anybody as your competition, you know? So Xavier Woods, it's like, they're looking at him like, Hey, I mean, and if you're Xavier Woods, you should be looking at it as like, this is just such a great opportunity. Like, this is it for me. Like, if I don't put up here in this role, like, I don't know what I'm I, I might end up being just like a kind of a number two guy, more of a special teams guy in my future in the NFL, and it probably isn't with the Dallas Cowboys. So this is such a huge year for Xavier Woods because he could make himself a lot of money and he could solidify a spot in a secondary that just hasn't been very strong for a long time.
2: Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. I think he would be uh, real close to the top of my list as well if I was doing this. Because um, for me, the biggest thing that I was looking at, you know, even John, before you gave your input here, is just the investment in Xavier Woods. Um, You know, a six round pick, Jordan Lewis was a third round pick, Cheeto Wouzier was a second round pick. Uh, There's a lot more, whatever, whether you want to call it fair or not, when there's a higher investment in someone, they just have a longer leash for that. And I think Xavier Woods, the Cowboys can cut their losses without without really blinking at all. So I think Xavier Woods, it's on him to really prove prove that he's able to 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 do what do what what they kind of expected him to. I don't think that it's um, uh, I don't think it's necessarily put up or shut up as far as like a roster spot goes. Like I think he can still maintain a roster spot, but he might just become like a core special teams player, maybe like you know a guy that that you know you you have to fall back on if uh, if like injuries are just tearing through your secondary but right now he has the opportunity to be a starter to be a good piece in that secondary and I really think this is the last year that he's going to have this chance.
1: Yeah, uh, he he can lay the wood and he can make plays. There's no doubt he belongs on an NFL roster for, for you know the next few years no matter what happens this season. No question about that. But I see in Xavier Woods is a guy that wasn't really happy about all that Earl Thomas talk. You know, it bothered him that he was like, I can do this. I can do this. And so he clearly thinks that he is the guy to be not only a starter, but a playmaker on the back end. And when he had that preseason last year and that training camp, where he had, you know, three interceptions and he looked like he was going to be a ball hawk on the back end. He clearly was expecting to be a big time starter for them. And so, um, yeah, he's definitely got a place on the roster. No, no matter what he does this year, but I think he wants a lot more than that. And I think his talent is a lot more than that. You know, they got him in the sixth round, but they had a higher grade on him than that. So they felt like they got a steal there. They felt like they got a starting caliber player. And so I think he'll be disappointed and they'll be disappointed if he ends up being just a rotational player, a backup, special teams contributor uh, in seasons beyond this one.
3: Yeah, this will be his third defensive back coach to work with as well. You know, he always struck me as a guy who you, and probably not now, who you might be able to of like maybe you could go to his agency and give him a fair deal and extend him for what might be cheap if you're betting on, you know, his him hitting his ceiling. That's a risky thing to do, but a lot of deals are risky. But I always like when front office is like, hey, we've identified this guy, we like him, we think he is about to be way better. Let's we'll see if we can. That's kind of what they've done with Jarwin. Even though Jarwin's deal is know, very easy to get out of, it's kind of what they've done with Jarwin. Like well, a, they could
1: have done the same thing with Cheeto or Jordan Lewis too, but it clearly uh, shows you that with all these guys all in the same draft class, they kind of want to see a little bit more from them before they're
3: going to do anything like that. And you can't blame them for that.
2: They did that with Jalen last year. I mean, th- they saw Jalen have a good year and they were like, all right, let's let, we'll, we'll bet on him."
3: Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a guy who needs to prove it this year would be Jalen. Um, uh, two other guys that he's, most, he's a top 100 player in the league. KT number 88, sir, the playmaker. Um, let's see. Uh, it's a weird one, but Joe Looney, just given that Connor Williams and Connor McGovern will both be under contract next year, Joe Looney needs to go have a good year to keep that job next year, assuming he wins the center job uh, moving forward. And also Tristan Hill. Tristan Hill is kind of my candidate for a guy who might not make it out of tra- training camp. Um, so, uh, But Tristan Hill needs to come in and have a good year. This organization no longer has deep-rooted ties to the guy like it could very much be a taco situation with him so it's a big year for him even if it's just big time progress in terms of his body getting in shape he's a younger guy but those little things just conditioning being in shape proving you can be a rotational player for this team if they could count on Tristan Hill to be a starting DT in 2021 you've saved your spot if they come out of 2020 and they go I don't know if we can count on Tristan Hill to be a starting DT there might not be any reason for him to be on the roster. So I think he's another guy who really needs to have a good camp. Obviously there's not going to be preseason games, but he needs to have a good year.
1: Yeah. And for a team that's drafted so well, um, what that would look just so bad for the previous defensive line coach. If they, if Tristan Hill doesn't work out and they can't even keep him throughout his rookie contract and get nothing for him, just like they got nothing for taco when they literally have been at, at worst solid drafting all these other positions, and to just not get anything on the defensive line uh, with some pretty significant picks would be would be really telling. Because, um, like I said, even if even if let's say they get a surprisingly good year out of let's say a Don Terry Poe or a Gerald McCoy or or uh, William Alden Smith, those guys are all veterans. I don't see them going to next year's draft and not looking at addressing this defensive line early. Uh, so, uh, yeah, for a lot of those guys. You know this is a huge. This is a huge year. You know, and and if the Cowboys are to reach the potential people think they have, there's going to have to be some of these defensive linemen that have better seasons than we currently are projecting them to have. Like, I don't know who it's going to be. I don't know if it's Tristan Hill, Gerald McCoy, Poe. Uh, you know, if Randy Gregory's able to come back. I mean, there's just. I mean, Bradley and Joe Jackson, Dorrance Armstrong. There's a lot of unproven guys there for, uh, you know. defensive line that you know they needed to be they needed to play very well if they're going to be a playoff team and and be capable of making a playoff run and taking what steven always says the next step
2: yeah also on tristan it's you know if you can't if you if you can't find a way to stick on a roster in this position where one the defensive line overall strength is not overly strong so you can find your way on here uh two the two guys they signed like john said are veterans it's not like they have any kind of long-term loyalty to those guys and three the guy on the outside is demarcus lawrence and someone who should help create matchups for you if you can't find your spot in this defensive line then then i i don't know in what area uh you know you could really thrive in the nfl
3: so is there anything else uh that you guys want to hit i know we're kind of uh we got through the list there is there anything we else we need to promote i know Saad, you're kind of all over the map. You kind of cover every sport for us here on the athletic, and and John, I, I know the the access has been kind of weird for the last, uh, really, the last four or five months. Anything you guys got coming out that, uh, that you want to promote, or anything that we need to we need to discuss before we get out of here? Yeah. So
1: Monday morning, I'll have a fifty-three man roster projection up, and then Woo! either Wednesday or Thursday, I'm going to do uh a piece that I've been doing around this time of year for the last few years, and it's. I usually do five storylines going into training camp. I think I'm going to do 10, but just kind of what kind of almost like a refresher course on like, hey, I know there's been a lot that's gone on. But these are the biggest things going in, because if you just make it two or three, it's the same COVID-19, Dak Prescott, whatever. But there's a lot of other storylines going into this thing with training camp about to start. So those are two things I'm working on for this week. So uh, what about you, Saad?
2: Yeah, I mean, obviously a lot of Maverick stuff. If you're if you're one of the a Dallas crossover fans, uh, a lot of good Maverick stuff coming up this week, and then uh, and then um, you know the Stars also get going in Edmonton next week. So doing some of that, and then once the Cowboys do get going, uh, you know I'm excited to you know get back into you know whatever the availability, whatever the situations may be. It's going to be fun because uh, I'm glad the NFL and NFLPA didn't drag this out like Major League Baseball did, and we, we, we can get going soon. Now,
1: hey, real quick, uh, I'll ask you guys this both. Uh, which, which, which? Oh, that's pre- we're going to pretend that they play all sports. You know, right. maybe we're everyone's getting a season in. Which DFW team out of the four major sports will go the farthest this season?
2: Yeah, I think the Stars have the best chance. Uh, you know, because it's going to be whether it's their veteran uh, their veteran roster. Um, and where, you know, they're, they're really good in goaltending, which is like being really good at quarterback or re- being really good in starting pitching, um, you know, in the other sports. So I think they they, probably have the best chance, especially after, uh, after, well, I don't think the Rangers were really ever in the conversation, but especially after you, after you lose Corey Kluber, you really take yourself out of that. And then, uh, the Mavericks are just more exciting. They're definitely the most exciting team. Um, and I think if they have the right draw, if they can get the Denver Nuggets in the first round, then they might go to the second round, but I still think the Stars have the best chance.
3: I'm going to say, okay, I was going to say the Stars, but I'm going to be different. I'm going to say it's the Mavericks with the caveat that they avoid one of the L.A. teams in the first round. I, I don't know how anyone is going to stop them offensively if they're healthy, and I do think offense is going to be You know, a little more of a bigger story than defense. uh, The NBA return to the, uh, once the NBA gets going again. So I I actually think the Mavs are going to be a little more dangerous than maybe we would have thought if we were just going through and plowing through. You're coming back, and I don't know if these teams are going to be on the same page and playing good rotational team defense and things like that, like in a typical NBA playoffs. I think it's going to be a little bit different, a little more scattered defensively. And I think the Mavs are going to be able to be super efficient. Um, and I, I just don't know. I think they're going to be really, really tough if they can avoid the Clippers and the Lakers as long as possible and stay healthy. I mean, you're seeing what's happening right now with Lou Williams out for the Clippers. That is huge for them. He is a huge part of that team, and they can still go win. They've got enough pieces, but because he had to go get some Magic City Wings in Atlanta, you know, he's going to be quarantined for 10 days. He's going to miss a couple regular season games. So if the Mavericks can stay disciplined and stay inside the bubble, I did say today that – uh, Porzingis forgot to go get tested, quote, forgot. <laughs> I actually, I'm giving the Mavs the edge over the Stars. Um, I do have some questions about, you know, coaching with the Stars. <laughs> like, I know Bonus has been around forever, but it feels like that could be a bit of a disadvantage moving forward. So, uh, I'm going to say Mavs. Yeah, I think
2: for me, it's probably Stars, then Cowboys, then Mavericks, and the Rangers are a distant fourth, so... I think the Cowboys still, like, you know, when you talk about it, uh, there's no reason why, I mean, the expectation is at minimum an NFC title game, right? I mean, it has to be, that has to be the minimum when you bring in a coach like Mike McCarthy and you have a largely returning veteran roster um, as far as Amari Cooper, Dak Prescott, those kind of guys. I I still think the Cowboys check in at second and, and, you know, the expectation, I would say, is greatest for the Cowboys, um, but I still think the Stars have the best chance.
1: If the Mavericks were in the East, I would say the Mavericks for sure. Or if Kawhi had stayed in Toronto, yeah, then I would have said the Mavericks because then your only real, you know, Goliath is is the Lakers. And if you avoid them in the first round, then maybe you get hot and then you don't have to play them until, you know, the second or third round. But uh, because of because that's not the case, I, I just can't put the Mavericks in there. I just think that it is if you run into one of those LA teams, it's over. Um, so I probably would go with Stars too. Uh, as I mean, stars number one, and I think I would go Cowboys two, Mavericks three, Rangers four.
0: Saad, so, what was it like um, playing against Jamal Adams?
2: Man, those that, uh, that was the that was probably the one of the it was the second time in my life where uh, where my eyes probably were just wide wide open. The first time was actually Jamal was the first time. Um, the second time was when I got sacked by Malik Jefferson, um, in, in an actual 11 on 11 football game during the regular season, but with Jamal, <laughs> we used to play against Jamal every week in seven on seven and everything that they, and I played quarterback. So everything they ever taught you as a quarterback goes out the window. I did all the stuff, staring off the safety, look the other way, bring it back the other side and, and it, it, nothing really mattered. Jamal was, uh, you know, he trash talked a lot. Uh, to this day, he doesn't. I, I don't know if he knows uh, my full name, but he's always called me Ginobili for whatever reason. And uh, and so and so, you know that it, it was it was really crazy to to play against him. And but he was one of those players where at the time you just knew that this guy is going to be in the league soon.
1: That's amazing. Yeah, You've got way better hair than Ginobili.
2: <laughs> Hopefully for a lot longer.
1: <laughs> I mean, I'll, hey, I'll go bald right now if I can have his career, though.
2: Yeah, for sure. Oh, absolutely! You can make me.
1: You can make me look like Alex Caruso tomorrow
2: with hair wise
1: if you you can give me his hops.
2: (laughs) Okay, but it wouldn't even matter for you because you always wear a hat, anyways. Like, would anyone even be able to tell? Well, if I was on the,
1: I don't wear it at games, but if I was playing, then I wouldn't be able to wear a hat, and I'd have to be embarrassed. Like, like, like Ginobili probably was at the end of his career. Early in his career, he was fine, but like that Caruso is just like that's my worst nightmare is having that situation happen.
3: Pretty amazing. The Caruso hair. You know, like you the,
1: can't leave that go. You just have to shave that off. Like there's just no hanging on to that. Sorry.
3: It was pretty wild watching uh in the bubble. Uh I was watching the Mavs Lakers scrimmage the other day and like LeBron's beard's getting real wild. And like you see the gray coming in on his beard, and you're like, Oh god, I remember when he was in high school. What is happening? Why is this happening so fast? Why is life going by so fast? But the days are going by so slow now. What's happening in the world? I don't know.
0: Good opportunity re- to promote our Mavs podcast here on the Athletic, seventy-seven minutes in heaven with Tim Cato, Brian Damaris, voice of the Mavs, Mark Followell, Dave DeFore, a lot of good guests, a lot of good content as the NBA season gets ramped up here, and maybe in about a month or a little bit less, we'll have uh, some more Rangers talk coming at you, more Cowboys Ab- talk, and uh, that's just a it's a little tease, but yeah,
3: Ab- absolutely, man, and I like I. You guys know I love uh, Levi Weaver. Check out what he's doing with the Rangers. Oh, yeah. He's got uh, pumping out the articles, obviously, as the Rangers have gotten going first weekend at uh, Globe Life Field. Sean Shapiro, obviously, he gets help from Saad Youssef as well in the Stars. Tim Cato with the Mavs. John Machota, Bob Stern with the Cowboys. We got it uh, all for you at the Athletic. Uh, please subscribe and leave a leave a review on Apple if you would, and just be nice. You know, just be kind and what you say about us. I mean, that'd be great. You know, <laughs> it would help us. I think people we like to say take those reviews and like be able to forward them up the corporate ladder and say, look, people like what they're doing. That would be great. Yeah, we'd appreciate that. But but be honest, but also be nice. Um, also obviously uh, theathletic.com, theathletic.com slash about them cowboys, forty percent off uh, if you're a first time subscriber. So uh, do that as well. Take advantage of that, and please follow us on Twitter. Uh, everyone shout out your Twitter handle. We'll start with you, John.
1: Oh, it's uh John Machota. Real real detailed. I really mixed it up there. Just J O N M A C H O T A. Uh
2: Sod? uh Saad yusuf 126. So S A A D Y
3: 126. All right. And Kent?
0: It's Kent Garrison. I see you over there.
3: Spell that. It's
0: Kent, K-E-N-T, Garrison, G-A-R-R, two R's, I-S-O-N.
1: Kent Isn't that K-T-K. the same as Walt Garrison? It is. Uncle Walt. That,
3: I knew it. That's no, your no, uncle?
0: No, no, I wish. Oh. No. I always acted like he was. the. That's a good bit. He, he, he probably uh, should be related to me in some way,
1: but uh, I would just go with it.
3: There's a lot of articles out about this is a little dark, but uh, I'm at KT Fun Tweets. But there's a lot of articles out about the former Eagles and Patriots running back uh, uh, Kevin Turner, uh, fullback, and he died of I believe he had he either had ALS. I think he had ALS, um, but he died a few years back, and he had a big long battle. He might have had some CTE as well. It was it was a bad deal. But there's a lot of articles that like it's uh, Peter King like Kevin Turner dead after I'm like after a long career and I'm like, oh thanks Peter, it always looks bad. Sorry, I will have you know if
0: you Google Kevin Turner, your Twitter account is the second thing that comes up besides the Wikipedia article for running back Kevin Turner. Yeah, you're you're the second most popular Kevin Turner on Google. I must feel That's, good.
1: Can I ask you guys one more question? Yes, please. (laughs) Give me a player that while they were on that team talked as much stuff about their head coach as Jamal Adams talked about Adam Gase. Not the day after they got traded, not months after they got traded, before they got traded, while they were still on the team. Give me any sport. Give me a player that has talked that that kind of smack publicly about the head coach that was going to be out of the team that that person was going to be playing for. I can't think of anybody. I mean, definitely not in the NFL.
3: Earl Thomas flipping off as coach. Yeah. Like, as it happens. Say,
1: uh, but
3: talking smack. No. I, th-
1: I still even think there you could at least be like, well, he gave the middle finger to the entire uh, sideline. Like you can kind of back out of it. This, I mean, he didn't, there was no oh, coaching staff. I mean, he, it was Adam Gase. Like, I mean, he <laughs> called it out.
3: Well, yeah, and we know now that Earl Thomas is kind of wild, though. Like, we know now, we learned that uh, over yep. time. Um,
1: but like, well, we knew that when he went to the locker room. <laughs> when he went to the Cowboys locker room, again, who's ever done anything I, like that? But
3: I don't understand how guys like Adam GaSe are in the league. Like, they don't have a track record of a lot of guys liking them. Like even even Bill O'Brien, I know he's had a ton of success. He's got a pretty big track record of rubbing people the wrong way. Uh, Doug Marone, uh, or is it Doug Maroney? Uh it's, it's Marone. It's Doug Marone. <laughs> but,
1: but please call him Marone for
3: yeah, now. Yeah, well he called himself Saint Doug. Uh like he like all these guys like they piss off a total like a, a team and then get another job. I the Jets though. That that's so interesting cuz they wanted both Matt Rule uh 2 years ago and they wanted Kingsbury and uh the GM was like, "Oh, well, you can't hire the staff. You don't get to do that." So no. And then uh, Matt Rule's like, fine, I'll just go back to Baylor. And Kingsbury's like, I'll go to the Cardinals. And then they fire the GM, and the Jets are like, damn it. I guess we got to settle for Adam Gase. And then he had the crazy eyes, you know, taco, uh, the taco GIF meme uh, press conference that was pretty good. So, I don't know. All right, man, that's a good episode. (laughs) I can't think
2: of any player. I had so much time while y'all were talking. I can't think of any player that – uh, off the top of my head, that trashed his head coach while pl- while technically being under contract by that team. It's uh, uh, Jamal really Jamal really did a good job working his way out of out of uh, New York. Uh, whether it, um, I mean,
0: I got one for you, Aikman and Aikman and Switzer.
2: What oh, that's right. He yeah. used
0: to he used to call him out. I mean, not really to the media though. I mean, but that's what I'm saying. Like this guy said that, like a lot of
1: smack I, I don't think him. this is the right. Did he ever say like I don't think he's the right leader from our team? He can't lead us to the promised land. I mean, <laughs> I mean, what what hope do you have after that? I mean, yeah. isn't that what the goal is? Like I know that he dislikes him. to get traded. And,
0: I don't know if the goal is to get yeah. rid of a new coach.
1: <laughs> I don't think he, he, was, awesome. he was trying. To.
0: The goal is to like, are hey, we, we got to take the coach over you? Unfortunately, you know. Um, yeah he he got his he got his way, man. And that was a good point earlier in the. The podcast about does this set some kind of precedent of let's just do it the Jamal way, you know? Any any player can pick their
1: destination now. It's become like the NBA essentially in the NFL <laughs> when it comes to these. Well, I mean, in a way, Antonio Brown kind of forced his, has yep. forced his way wherever he's wanted to go too, and it's worked out for him. So, I mean, yeah. it's not the first time. It just it's interesting to see how that like something like that works out like that.
3: But if you have a player who you know doesn't want to be there, you should get as much as you can because the uglier it gets, you usually. You don't get as much for it. Now, the Jets walk away with two first-round picks. McDougal is not a great player, but he can at least, you know, fill in. And he could probably play replacement-level football. Not replacement-level to Jamal Adams, but replacement-level football for them next year. So they're in a bind.
1: Let me add this, though, too. When you're Antonio Brown and Jamal Adams, though, the reason it works for you is because you're a freak athlete. And so teams will put up with that stuff. Like, you can't be some backup or just some solid starter and running your mouth like that. That's not going to work. But when you're a beast like those guys are, then it, then it works. It's great leverage for you. And heck, he's going to Seattle where it's like, Seattle is very familiar with having to deal with stuff because Earl Thomas, but he was a freak too. So it was like, we can put up with this when you're going to change games and you're going to single-handedly win games with big time plays. So while I say that I could see it continuing, it's only for that elite of the elite, like sure. whatever, 1% of, of the league that can even get away with something like that.
2: You know? Yeah, and 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 you know, just remember last year when Zeke was holding out for his contract and everything like that, and then Melvin Gordon tried to pull the same thing, and, and, yeah. and that did not work out in Melvin yeah. Gordon's favor. The Chargers were like, all right, we will move on with our other guy, and you can take as much time as you need where you're not forcing our hand here. Yeah.
3: All right, all right. well... um, That'll wrap up this week's episode of About Them Cowboys. We'll be back next week when technically Cowboys camp will have already started in a very weird way. Uh, So, for Father John Mashota, for Saad Youssef, for our producer Kent Garrison, I'm Kevin K.T. Turner, and we'll see you next week on another episode of About Them Cowboys.